0: So I was going to start this morning off with a joke, but instead I want to tell you a little story, and it's a story that happened just this very morning. I get up early on Sundays. I have to be here to open up the building, turn the lights on, make sure the classes are set up, take care of Sunday school, and on and on. You may not know this about me, but I'm not really a fashionista. I generally try to wear the same outfits mixed up a little bit, but I'm uh, pretty stable with what I wear. With Thanksgiving and my general laziness about putting my clothes away, there is a laundry basket sitting in my bedroom that's been there for, well, just say a few days. It's clean, I just haven't put it away. But when I get up early on Sundays, Tracy does not. She has to get up very early all throughout the week, and so I don't disturb her on Sunday mornings. So here I am, not the best fashion person, with the lights off in the bedroom and a basket full of clothes, and I have no idea what I'm going to wear this morning. I started by pulling out some blue pants and a sport coat and spent another five minutes trying to match them together in the dark with a shirt. I wound up bringing them into the bathroom, at which time I really wasn't quite sure whether they were blue pants or black, and at which time I just tried to make it work anyway. I just couldn't figure it out, though, and so I scrapped the blue, or maybe it was the black pants, I still don't know, and I went to brown. I pulled out a bunch of things, and in another five minutes or so, decided this is what I was going to wear this morning. Now, I've already spent about 15 minutes picking out these clothes, which is about 13 and a half minutes longer than I normally spend picking out clothes. So I put on the shirt, and then I put on the pants. Do you know that feeling that happens when you pull your pants on and you just know they aren't going to button? <laughs> These are those pants. Well, I've already spent way too much time picking out this outfit, and I wasn't going to do it, so here I am. I still haven't taken a deep breath in the last two hours, If I start to walk funny. Don't worry, I've just lost circulation in the bottom half of my body. I'm going to be okay when I get home and get into my sweats. And I realized as I was driving in this morning, I probably should have done today's message on gluttony. (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) Well, instead of gluttony this morning, we're going to take a look at what I think is just a fascinating part of Scripture. We're going to take a look in the book of Acts. Acts is a book of narrative literature, It's a history of the early church. Well, one of the rules of interpretation is that we don't get doctrine from narrative. But what we do get is application of doctrine. Acts was written by the Holy Spirit to let us know how the early church applied the doctrine that Christ had taught. And we can see how it worked out in and through the lives of those disciples and those that they encountered. Likewise, it is for us to take that truth of the gospel and apply it to our own lives. What we look at today is just that, a story of Paul and Silas, how they were faithful to turn a prison into a pulpit. I'll give you the challenge right now before we begin. The challenge is what prison do you find yourself in? And how is God working for you to glorify him by proclaiming his truth, turning that prison into a pulpit? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for humor. I thank you for funny stories. And I thank you, Lord, that you are a God who allows us to look upon ourselves and smile. Father, you are also a God who asks us to look upon ourselves and realize, Lord, that we are not you, that you are a good, a gracious, and a loving God. You are a God who desires that we would be transformed into the likeness of Christ. And that, Father, we find ourselves imprisoned. That you are the one who has the key to set us free. Lord, I ask that every heart would be soft this morning to hear your word. And Lord, I ask that it be your word that is spoken this morning, not my own. There is no value in the wisdom that I have on my own. So I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just fill me afresh from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head. And the words that are shared this morning would be words of life because they come from your word. And so, Father, may you be glorified now what is to occur that we would be prepared to stand before the Lord's table at the end of the service. And so we just praise you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Scripture that we're going to be looking at today is out of Acts 16. It's verses 16 through 34. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. Once, as we were going on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the servants of the Most High God. She did this for many days. Paul was greatly annoyed. Turning to the Spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her right away. When her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Bringing them before the chief magistrates, they said, These men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt our practice. The crowd joined in the attack against them, and the chief magistrate stripped them of their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the jail was shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he threw, drew his sword, and he was going to kill himself, since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, "'Don't harm yourself, because we are all here.'" The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away he and all his family were baptized He brought them into the house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. There is so much here to chew on, but let's take a look at what really strikes me about these verses. Tim, can you put up Acts 16, 16 to 18? Once as we're on our way to prayer, a slave girl... Met us and a spirit of prediction made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling. I want to get one thing clear right now. Fortune-telling, divination, psychics, oracles, spirit conjurers, soothsayers, astrology, whatever you like to call it, it's real. You notice that Paul and Silas don't argue with what the woman was saying. What she was saying was in fact true. The question is, how did she come to possess this information? The problem is that the revelation that this woman had, the revelations that those who currently practice these activities, they come from the demonic. Let's also be clear here. This woman faces what all those who are apart from Christ do. They're under the control of Satan. She is a prisoner to her sin. I want you to keep that in mind as we continue. I also want to use this as a warning Please don't get involved in these types of activities. I just got a postcard in the mail telling me that psychic John Edwards is coming to Albany. There's over a half a dozen psychics on TV, including Tyler Henry, who usually works with celebrities. And then there's this woman. Tim, can you put up her picture? This is Teresa Caputo, the Long Island medium, who coincidentally is just going through a divorce. I guess she didn't see that one coming. There's also a new one being promoted on TV now, Mama Medium. Guys, Satan is mainstreaming these activities as if they are normal and they are okay. Please know this is a lie from the pit of hell. Don't tune your TV into these shows. Certainly don't allow your children to watch them because they do have influence. Don't go to any mediums or have your own readings. Tarot cards, crystal balls, Ouija boards, they're all conjuring up spirits that the Bible tells us are an offense to God. Tim, can you put up the scripture in Deuteronomy? When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not imitate the detestable customs of those nations. No one among you is to to make his son or daughter pass through the fire, practice divination, tell fortunes, interpret omens, practice sorcery, cast spells, consult a medium or familiar spirit, or inquire of the dead. Everyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Everyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. And the Lord your God is driving out the nations before you because of these detestable things. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. These things, Though these nations you're about to drive out, listen to fortune tellers and diviners, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do this. Can't be any more direct than that. These are incredibly powerful words from our God. Do not do these things. They are not harmless fun. They are not entertainment. I want to share with you a quick story When Chloe was born, a family member gave us a present for her. Present was an astrological chart. It was fully done up based upon her date of birth and included a journal of special and important events for her specifically and also included within that an audio tape that she could listen to about those interpretations. It very much disturbed Tracy and I. We actually took those items, and we had a fire pit in the backyard, and I burned them. Never looked at them, never read them, never listened to the tape. We burned them. These things are not something to be, tr- to be trifled with. Do not play. Now, the truth is, I could go on all morning about the dangers of the occult and sorcery, but we have to move on so that we can get to communion. We'll continue in Acts 16. Tim, can you put up? Verses 19 through 24. When our owners saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And bringing them before the chief magistrates, they said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. Then the mob joined in the attack against them, and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes, ordered them to be beaten with rods, After they inflicted many blows on them, they threw them into jail, ordering the jailer to keep them securely guarded. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. I want to pause here, and I want you to imagine for a moment you've come to help people to find hope and peace, purpose and value, love and security. And then seemingly without warning, you find yourself being yelled at and harassed, mocked and scorned. You're forced into the public square where people are harassing you and likely spitting on you as you're brought to the courthouse. In what seems like a complete mockery of justice, you are quickly found guilty of a crime you didn't commit, stripped of your clothes and beaten with rods. To be beaten with rods translates the Greek verb rabdizo, Found only twice in the Bible. It means to hit with a long, stiff stick. A is a staff, a scepter, a stick, a branch, or a tree limb. I found one. I want you to think for a second. Your clothes are stripped off of you. Likely, your hands are bound in front of you, and you're either bent at the waist or you're going to be tied to a stone or a wooden form that is in front of you so you can't break loose, and then you are smacked with a wooden rod, almost as hard as the person could hit you, across your back. Now, there isn't much meat on your back, so what happens? The flesh quickly swells, quickly breaks open. The upper part of your back, you have your rib cage, which will easily break a rib, making it difficult to breathe. Lower back, you have your kidneys They'll just be smacked and hit and hit to where they can stop functioning. It can kill you. This was not something that was taken lightly. Your flesh tears and you bleed. It was a disgusting practice. I want to be clear that Paul and Silas were charged and found guilty of a crime that they didn't commit. Quite simply, they took away the livelihood of the captors of the slave slave girl who was divining spirits. A rush to judgment resulted in them being stripped and beaten, sent to the inner prison where their feet were placed in stocks. Tim, can you put up the picture, please? Again, they had been beaten across their back with rods, their bodies bloodied and swollen. They were thrown into the inner prison. This is the most secure part of the prison where escape was all but impossible. It was dark. It was vile and it was disgusting. There would have been no bathrooms. The smell would have been choking. It was cold and it was wet. The other prisoners would have been the most offensive offenders in the city murderers, rapists, thieves. Not only were they in this disgusting prison cell, they were then locked in stocks. Their feet would have been bound to wooden beams. And the truth is, this likely would have meant that they would have been lying on their bloody, beaten, and swollen backs. It would have been awful. Can you even imagine that place? Now, this is where we can take Paul and Silas's experience and translate it into our own lives. Do you feel like at one time or another you've been falsely accused? Others have made a rush to judgment about you and their response was immediate and harsh. You feel beat up and laid bare. Maybe you found a prison You found yourself in the prison of life. Like the video showed, you count the days as they turn from days to weeks, months, and into years. You hate where you are, but you don't know how you got there, and you certainly don't know how to get out. Maybe your prison is an addiction or it's a stronghold. You drink too much. Maybe it's drugs or porn or some other intoxicant. Perhaps you're imprisoned by anxiety or fear, paralyzed, unable or unwilling, and too scared to move. Is your prison unforgiveness? Are you so willing to drink poison expecting the other person to die? Are you so convinced that you are the victim, that you are unwilling to forgive as our Heavenly Father has forgiven you? Or maybe your prison cell is called unbelief. God isn't doing his part by giving what it is that you want. When you want it, and you can't trust a God who won't fulfill all of your worldly desires. Maybe your prison is control. You're so consumed by the need to make sure everything goes the way that you expect it to go, the way that you have planned it. When things don't go according to your plan, you get angry and frustrated at everyone around you because they simply and clearly don't appreciate how hard you have worked, how smart you are, and how everyone needs to bend to your will. What prison do you find yourself in today? And how do you respond when you're in prison? Well, we're going to take a look at how Paul and Silas respond to their imprisonment. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I want to stop there and think about this for a second. What? (laughs) These guys have just been accused of a crime that they didn't commit, stripped, mocked, beaten, thrown into a prison, and they're doing what? They are singing hymns, and they are praying. But it wasn't enough just for them to sing and praise the Lord and pray. They were singing and praying in such a way that the other prisoners were listening to them. Paul and Silas would have been paraded before these other prisoners as they were on their way to that inner prison. These other prisoners no doubt saw the physical condition that Paul and Silas were in. They would have had experience with others, who had come before Paul and Silas, who would invariably cry out all night in pain and anguish. And yet the other prisoners didn't hear cries of pain and anguish. They didn't hear desperate pleas of mercy, which likely would have sounded like an animal in the throes of death. No, these other prisoners heard the prayers of faithful men of God, men who, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Before them could look into the eyes of their afflictors and say, He can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And He can rescue us from your power. But even if He does not rescue us, we want you to know we will not serve your gods. And like those amazing men who danced in the fire with the Son of God, Paul and Silas were in the presence of the Lord as they prayed and sang, witnessing to the glory of God to all of the prisoners. Simply, what Paul and Silas had was joy. Yes, joy in the face of extreme adversity. And what was the source of their joy? A great thankfulness. Paul and Silas were thankful to a God who was worthy of praises and thanksgiving, even if the circumstances, maybe even because the circumstances were not what they would have wanted. But then something amazing happens. I don't want you to miss the order here because it is so important. Amazing things do happen when faith is employed. First came the singing. First came the praising. First came the hymns. First came the prayers. Then something amazing happened. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the jail was shaken and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains came loose. A supernatural act occurs. Prison cells are opened, chains are broken. All the prisoner, prison doors swung wide. All the chains of all the prisoners came free. Did you actually catch that? We know that Paul and Silas were accused, tried, convicted, and punished unjustly. How about the other prisoners? We know that Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns, but what about the other prisoners? Why were they set free as well? The answer is found in the following verses. Tim, can you put them up? When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. And verse 28. But Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because all of us are here. Why did the jailer think he needed to kill himself? The jailer would have known that he would have been held responsible by the Roman authorities for the prisoners' escape. He would have suffered a horrible death at their hands. And likely his family would have suffered punishment if not death as well. So the jailer's response is certainly understandable in that circumstance. But as he drew his sword, Paul calls out, We are all here. Not just Paul and Silas, everyone. These criminals, the one who deserved to be there, were still there. Why? Well, they had heard Paul and Silas singing and praying. They were witness to the supernatural work of earth shaking, doors opening, and chains falling. They knew the source of that supernatural power, and they weren't going to go anywhere until they heard more. And I want you to hear what was the result. Tim. Then the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. They escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So he said, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the message of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them up into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had believed God along with his entire household. What must I do to be saved? This jailer was just following orders. This jailer worked under the rule of the Roman Empire. This jailer who saw to it that Paul and Silas were stripped, beaten, bound to a wooden plank and thrown into the inner prison. This jailer who must have heard the praying and singing along with all the other prisoners. This jailer who felt the earth shift beneath his feet. This jailer who would have certainly heard the clanking of prison doors swinging open. And this jailer who would have heard the sound of metal falling upon metal as chains fell away. This jailer who was so certain that his life was over as a result of this encounter with Paul and Silas. This jailer, when confronted with the mercy of God, had only one question. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, Paul and Silas didn't consider escaping the prison that they were in as a means to its own end. In fact, their prison wasn't a prison at all. It was their pulpit. They preached from there. They sang songs of worship and praises from there. They showed courage and love and compassion and mercy from that very place. Listen, a prison is only a prison if you allow it to shut you out of your true purpose in life. And that's what my challenge is this morning. Tim, Acts sixteen seventeen. As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, These men are the servants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. This whole episode with Paul and Silas begins with a proclamation of truth. My challenge this morning is a simple question. Are you a servant of the Most High God? If you see the purpose of your life is to be a servant of the Most High God, that's when the ground shakes. That's when the prison doors fly wide open. That's when chains fall away. That's when healing and freedom and wellness truly begins. Let's pray. Father God, We thank you for the incredible example of Paul and Silas who, Lord, faithfully never considered their prison to be a prison at all but considered it to be a pulpit from which to proclaim the true good news of Jesus Christ. Father, may we have hearts that are just like Paul and Silas this morning. Father, I know that there are those who are here this morning who are in chains. There are those who are here this morning who when they're watching the video, Lord, it could have been a biography about their lives. I ask you, Lord, that you would just make yourself so known to them right now. That, Father, you would rec- they would recognize that you are a God who can make the ground shake. You are a God who causes the prison doors to fly open. You are a God who causes chains to fall. And that, Lord, our only response is to fall before you, praising your good name, surrendering our lives to you, coming born again, and walking in the freedom that you are so merciful and gracious to give. Father, I just ask that our hearts are set right before you as we go to communion now. We just give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non denominational, Bible based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our Statement of Faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making him known.